0: Malcolm Honlein is executive vice, excuse me. Malcolm Holine is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. With us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honlein, welcome back to JM in the AM.
1: Thank you. As always, Mazel Tov first of all to you and Stacy and the family, and uh, you should have a lot of nachas. <laughs>
0: I appreciate and that, at. and you and I always talk about Jewish continuity and transmitting to our children and grandchildren the important messages that you and I try to transmit to this audience on a regular basis, and as you always point out, once you're in the experience, now I'm a veteran, now I can talk like a veteran, <laughs> a veteran <laughs> grandfather, once you're in this thing, you even you realize even more just how important transmitting all those messages are to the future generation So thank God uh,
1: There should be a test To get into it A license No, you get a license For a car But to be a grandparent You don't have to do it I mean, it's not fair
0: Well, what can I tell you I somehow fell into this And I'm very glad I did And we should continue To share smachot As we've had the opportunity To do You know, I hate to tell you Who the star Who the star Or who the theme Or what the theme Of my trip to Israel was Not that this is going to Take you by surprise And not to bring the audience down But it's a reality And it's anti-Semitism. It's uh, those of us who are tourists and had a chance to meet in Israel, uh, including some great missions that were there. One Israel-funded Centra, uh, who I met up with over there, Uh, and certainly residents of Israel, both relatives and friends of mine. The theme is what's happening now in the United States of America. And I know know that uh, we have a unique position because we're basically based in the diaspora, uh, so we could speak from experience of what's going on here and encourage people to remember that the future of the Jewish peoples in the state of Israel. Um, but I, I think this is now going to become a really, really important message, not just for our audience, but for American Jewry. And um, th- when you were in Israel, did you get the feeling that your friends and relatives in the Holy Land were concerned about us back here in the USA?
1: I speak to Israelis every day, and I hear it from them, and they are um, concerned. So those who say that uh, you know Israelis don't care about uh, what happens to American Jewry or European Jewry are way off. The level of concern from the prime minister and president to the people in the street uh, is is very common. I'm not saying everybody knows all the details, but they, they get a sense of it, and if you saw Now we saw this report from um, Los Angeles that a 74% increase and the vast majority of the uh, hate crimes are against Jews. It's not just New York, it's the whole country. The number of reports we get about the incidents um, you saw in Germany, the 3,000 police who carried out raids against this neo-Nazi type group, including finding that one of those they arrested was in charge of security for one of the regions for the Jewish community in Germany, and that the uh, sitting judge was amongst the people they arrested. It's it's really uh, quite amazing because there's no part of the world that isn't, isn't touched by. So Iran made a video with kids in London singing less than a mile from a uh, a song in, in Iranian, um, against the Jews. And, and it, it, uh, I mean, people get outraged for the instant, but we don't think of this enough in a longer term sense. And thank God things are being done in the Jewish community on this, at least is generally, uh, very, uh, organized and, um, and cooperative, and the law enforcement officials are responsive. There's no cure, but there are a lot of things that can be done. There's the Shine a Light campaign coming up. There are many other things to uh, raise the profile, but the real cause is, is when the leaders of different communities will start speaking up and when those who engage in it are truly isolated and pay a price for it, that at least they go back under the rocks.
0: Those who have a major audience, celebrities who have a major audience, and obviously we've spoken a lot about this in recent weeks, uh, do you get the feeling at least, because you're in touch with, with leaders in all the areas you just discussed, do you get the feeling at least that there will now be somewhat more of a hesitancy or that what they did, these couple of celebrities who have these massive audiences, is really the exception and that generally people are hesitant and more responsible, even if they have fame, to come out with statements like that?
1: Maybe people are more conscious of it. For some, it will be it incentivizes them to speak up. They're really radical and extremist elements. Um, I think there's a lot of copycatting, and and you know there's a debate whether you know we give them oxygen when we criticize or when we attack. Whether it's smarter or not. Uh, I don't think you can be quiet in the face of of some of it. So for some, yes, it's a disincentive, and there are and for some. It has become an occasion, uh, especially in the last few days, for leading blacks and others, uh, Christian leaders, to speak out on the on the issue. I think they they didn't necessarily take it seriously. Nobody believed that Jews in America were under siege, no matter how much the statistics show that New York, you know, sixty or seventy percent of the attacks are against Jews, and it was always against those Jews, you know, the isolated section. Now they see that it's. It's everybody, and ultimately, it'll be them. Right. And nobody gets exempted from when this kind of cancer spreads.
0: Um, Rabbi Fass obviously was on the air a lot because we broadcasted from the center, plus had the event uh, at, at Nefesh Nevish. so we had a chance to speak to him this week. Um, he, he sort of, you know, you know what his altruistic mission is, it's obvious, and he's been very successful at it with the incredible organization of moving North American Jewry to Israel, and he... He surmised that maybe this new atmosphere could taint the whole attitude toward aliyah in other words from someone with his perspective he's he's sorry to see that the that the fear element is going to uh, be a contributing factor uh to those who are deciding to move to israel what do you think of it is your your attitude more like you know whatever it takes to get him there let's get him there or do you see the the sadness behind a tinge of fear uh, being a factor in someone's decision to move
1: So uh, I was involved in the founding of Nefesh B'Nefesh and was on the board for years. So I'm a big believer in the higher-level goal that people should go for a positive reason, that we should go back, not because of Tzarus and not because of terrible things, and we should go back uh, uh, when we can still be uh, vertical and not horizontal. And uh, people should see it as a positive mission, a fulfillment, of positive mitzvah, and, and their own personal fulfillment. But at the same time, uh, I have to say that I think it, it is an incentive to people to reconsider and to think of, uh, you know, the uh, things they took for granted here yes. and worrying about their uh, not, so, not only for themselves, but what will life be for your grandchildren, right. even maybe your children, when we see the kind of attacks, the changes that are taking place in America. So... I I don't dismiss it, but I still prefer the positive motivation. So at
0: least according to the news items, Iran has disbanded the morality police. I guess that's a piece of good news, you'll tell us in a moment. But at the same time, they're still executing young people that are, uh, in their opinion, breaking the law when it comes to protests. Which Iran are we looking at these days?
1: So I don't think it's true that they disbanded the morality police this was something the attorney general put out or somebody put out but they quickly walked it back and so right now we don't know for sure they did say they would consider changing the hijab rule uh, and um, I'm sure that they are, they are containing the morality police um, not to be as blatant they were the ones who, who captured the woman that and, and killed her uh, that started all of this right but uh, the government now sees that this is something way beyond their control, and there were a number of executions. One was of four people accused of spying for Mossad, four executed three long prison terms, and then you had the first execution directly attributable to a demonstrator. Uh, there was, unfortunately, several Jews. There were several Jews who were arrested yesterday, uh, five that we know of. Uh, four were university students. Uh, I think one may have had a um, a mini drone. Was that in Tehran that, or a different illegal. city? Uh, it's in Tehran, uh, as far as we know. You know, they're not giving out the details, and I've been in touch. I uh, got the confirmation during the night last night that, uh, that in fact, uh, the arrest did take place, but they were uh, at or near a demonstration, and so they were caught up in whatever... Uh, went on. The, the leadership of the community has warned people not to go near them, because it'll be very hard to do anything for them once once they do. But the situation in in Iran is um, is deteriorating constantly. They are clamping down now more. It was interesting to me that Secretary, former Secretary of State Clinton, came out and said that we shouldn't do anything on the deal and that. Uh, um, sort of critical of the the responses when, if you remember, she like Colin Powell when the last demonstrations took place, said we're not going to get involved in internal affairs or family feuds, as they called it. Right. Uh, so there's a, a new reckoning, and it is clear that the JCPOA right now is on a back burner. It is, has not disappeared, and I think people should be very careful about the uh, the assumptions that we go on there are still people who advocate it although right now obviously they can't negotiate it and the uh, uh, agenda when they meet with the uh, iranians deals with human rights issues and and all of the other things we do not still clamp down enough on their oil export which is what gives them uh, a lot of the money that they uh, still still have Uh, Internally, there's a lot of disruptions with cyber attacks, with other things going on. Um, There have not been open confrontations, armed confrontations, but they have used, the the Iranians started to use live ammunition. We don't know the real death toll. It's certainly over 500 and perhaps 20,000 people arrested, including more than 1,000 youngsters, children, I think, under 14. Even Khomeini's niece came out and, and really blasted him, which was uh, wow. picked up and very interesting because you keep seeing a higher level of um, of protest of dissent within the IRC, within the Supreme Leader's House. There are much more high-profile critics, uh, movie stars, athletes, others uh, joining, and the West just has to be there and be supportive. Uh, the administration came out with some good... Uh, positions, but, the, you know, their activities, they're, they're building alliance with Russia, a growing alliance, they're building a, drones plant, a drone plant in, in Russia itself, but clearly there are high-level meetings and it's giving Russia an outlet and, uh, and Iran, too, and China becomes part of it. They, they, they joined the Shogun uh, Convention, the conference. So Iran is still looking for outlets. They're making money because they sell the Iranian oil and they sell the Russian oil. And if we would clamp down much more on that, that would take away some of their ability to continue to carry out these outrages against the, the people. One thing that, that people don't see is if if you look at the region now, Iran is attacking positions in northern Iraq, targeting Kurdish groups. Turkey is striking in Syria and in Iraq, Azeri and and Turkish armies are holding joint drills near the Iranian border because tension building up, you know, in this very critical area that the Iranians have been threatening uh, Azerbaijan, and of course, bring up the, the relationship, but the, the relationship between Azerbaijan and Iran uh, is deteriorating, and remember, in Iran, you have 30 million Azeris. Right. And that's why it's even relevant to the domestic situation, let alone the regional one.
0: You know, one of the things that I mean, you know, this the, the protesters need to at least feel they're making some progress. That's, by the way, one of the reasons I thought the morality police story was a was a positive story. Now, you know, you're telling us that that's not really what happened, which I get.
1: We, but we don't know. Really. No,
0: no, yeah, I understand. I'm just saying that you know, that, I thought that would be a big boost for them because, as you know, these movements need
1: these big boosts, right? The movements right. need absolutely. Are, are they
0: feeling any of the positive momentum?
1: Yes, 100%, because they see that that the demonstrators, first of all, to sustain this for so many months against all the overwhelming odds of the Iran Revolutionary Guard, of the Basij. (laughs) You know, there was something funny this week. There was the, I think it was uh, the International Volunteers Day, and the Iranians suggested the Basij are the best example of the volunteers, and they should be honored because you know that they're driven by a volunteerism and stuff etc it was established by Khomeini in 1980 to um, to go after the us uh, warships in the persian gulf and to do other terrible things and and it's morphed into this domestic gangsters who carry out the terrible raids against the demonstrators and stuff and and you see that that they're more more hesitant sometimes to carry out attacks because they see the the um, uh, public reaction, but also because the demonstrators, through the, using the internet, trace the pictures of Basij, and then go after their parents, and demonstrate outside the parents' homes. And you should see how fast these guys come back, because they tell them, we're going to hold you to account for what your sons do. Yep. And uh, so, I mean, there's just so much going on, but now we saw Iran now has been behind the attacks on the German synagogue. Uh, we see the real nature of which we have warned about, knowing what they're doing online, how they are promoting anti-Semitism everywhere.
0: Yep. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio, around the world the web and and the Siegel Network, and of course in the beloved NSN app. If you're a fan of what we do and if you enjoy these segments, remember we're in our year-end campaign, and whatever you can give is much appreciated. Just keep us going. We ask you this every single year. You always respond, and we're asking you to do so again. Go to fjbunity.org, FJB for the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, and we thank you. What can you tell us about the uh, China-Saudi Arabia encounter this week?
1: Well, it was uh, very high profile. He was given a a real was welcome. Uh, this is something that probably was thinkable not so long ago, but it is a play against the United States. It is a play for Saudi Arabia to be a world power and an um, international force.
0: Is it a play at and, all against Israel, or they shouldn't take it that way?
1: No, it's not a play against okay. Israel. Okay. Uh, um, it's a play about uh, Saudi Arabia's you know independence or stature, or, um, uh, and it's very important because in the area of energy, you know, China, I think, is the biggest... Uh, customer worldwide certainly, and in Saudi Arabia for uh, energy, uh, they, they're boasting their boosting their tech cooperation, and uh, you know it's key to the Belt and Road Initiative, which Iran, which China has established, and the, uh, the other Gulf states, which is now reported, are, are the leaders are coming to to Saudi Arabia to meet with Xi. So it is a very significant thing. It, may, it is a message to the administration. And is um, and it should be of concern to people given the, the designs that China has.
0: The only reason why I think Israel, uh, why it could be a little bit of a snub to Israel, is, is I, I thought that Israel is sort of the uh, um, the the leader when it comes to 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 political and military strategy in that region, or at least is looked that at that way by many other countries in the region, and that uh, you know China's sort of giving that moniker. Um, you know, to Saudi Arabia is a little bit of a push on
1: Israel. No, is there, first of all, Israel and China have generally pretty good ties, and there's a lot of uh, tech exchanges, and a lot of the Israeli high-tech companies manufacture in China, and China has bought a number of Israeli companies, and there are uh, ongoing ties. Obviously, China's relationship with Iran and other things and their, their general voting record, et cetera, uh, are of great concern uh, to Israel. But I think this, th- th- what happened with G's visit in Saudi Arabia is independent of uh, of Israel. Not something they can ignore. I'm just saying it's not related to Israel.
0: Uh, what do you think of the latest U.S.-Russia prisoner swap?
1: Uh, well, I'm always happy when people get out of the prisons in, in uh, Russia. I hope that... Uh, the freed person will uh, express that publicly uh, as a record of uh, uh, criticism of, of the United States, and I regret that others haven't uh, gotten out. And Whelan being one of them, uh, I know there's a lot of criticism uh, of the uh, of the deal because uh, this arms dealer who was who was let go. Um, I hope that uh, we will see others freed also, in the, especially in Iran. You know, we still don't, don't have a word on uh, on Warren or others who who are being held in um, in Iran. So, this is. Um,
0: when it comes to being a prisoner in Russia, timing is everything, huh, Malcolm? <laughs> yeah,
1: you could say that. <laughs> if you, if no, no, there was a crime, even though it's not right. a crime here, but there was a crime committed. And, no, no, I get that. And but they I'm... took advantage of it, to, right. you know, and that's part of the problem is that the risk we have is that now they'll just seize on anybody that they have the slightest pretext or manufactured pretext to use to, as marketing chips to get things that they want. Yeah,
0: why was it necessary for the president of Israel to extend the uh, deadline for Benjamin Netanyahu to form a government?
1: Yeah, because otherwise, we'd be heading to new, new elections. But I thought, and, uh, in, I, but Israel. I thought
0: we all agreed that that he has everything in place. That even if he waits till the very last minute, he'll still be able to form the government.
1: It's the deadline is the, is the problem, and you know he he can't if if, if the deadline is looming. He, every one of the parties will have so much leverage over him as they do already. Uh, have enough leverage on him, Uh, and he still hasn't uh, given out any of the um, uh, parts that are going to, the jobs that are going to the Likud members, you know, so he has a a big job to do there. He just finished with with Shas, he finished, uh, you know, he has to do party by party, and as you know, uh, Ben Gvir and Smatrich and these guys uh, held out and made very uh, great demands on him, some of which he succumbed to, some he didn't. And uh, I think the important thing is that he finally gets a government in place, and, you know, because it's just uh, going now; it's just continuing. And sometimes people argue that maybe they don't need a government, but obviously <laughs> they, they obviously they do. And with the, all the international crises, other things are on hold. Unfortunately, the criticisms and coming from military, coming from others, <laughs> other sect, even from people here, who I think would be wiser often to hold their comments. Uh, because even though people may say they want certain things, we know that in practicality that doesn't happen and that Netanyahu is certainly a pragmatist and uh, is not going to give into an extremist agenda, hopefully, and the um, you know we should let the process, the democratic process that is underway, you know, finish. And you know, there are ways to communicate to, to the prime minister-elect, uh, designate, uh, if people have uh, concerns without it being a fodder for the papers and the, you know, feeding the anti-Israel elements. By the way, is
0: the 10-day extension a standard one? Because I know there were some people who in, in Israeli government this week who were freaking out at the notion of granting any extensions. I'm wondering if he compromised or if 10 days is the normal amount.
1: No, it, it's usually, it can be 10 days or two weeks, but I think after the 30 days, then it's... it's um, up to the president it's two week or ten days but but it's what netanyahu requested right and and uh, you know the extension is important because you know you can't you can't just form a government because once you make those commitments to a degree you have to honor them i'm not saying that they honor them completely but at least you 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 have a framework that has to be upheld so it's not insignificant what he negotiates with each of the parties and especially when uh, these parties are making such demands Everybody thought that because it was more of a unified outcome in terms of being a center-right government that it would be easier for him. But in fact, this has been much more complicated negotiations, and somebody with one seat can you know, demand a major portfolio uh, is, is uh, reflective of that
0: complication. Are, are his legal troubles over, or they're on hold? No. They're on hold or not on
1: hold? <laughs> no, they're not on hold. The cases were going on. So this is going to be. But most people dismiss it now. Most people don't think that there is any major. You know, there's no smoking gun that we haven't seen yet. I mean, so. even the
0: Israeli media doesn't bring it up anymore, and they're relentless. they're they're so upset that he's forming a government. I mean, listening to the That's media in Israel, they're they're furious, as if as, as if it wasn't a a real democratic process that elected him.
1: It's true. It's democratic if it's the outcome that they want. And, you know, the Israeli (laughs) press is hypercritical. Even papers that didn't used to be have seemed to change their tone. That's why Yisrael Ayom is is, uh, popular. And um, I think that the uh, criticisms were not given when others needed the extensions. But the extensions really do reinforce the the stability of the process because then if you if you had a deadline of of a week after the government is formed or announced rather the elections, then everybody would just be able to put every extreme demand and he would have to give it or he wouldn't have a government.
0: Yep, understood. Uh, there's a piece in the Jerusalem Post that his return to prime ministership is timely for a push on Iran. With who we have now in the White House. Is that even conceivable? I mean, can, can Netanyahu proceed with a big push on Iran and a lot of pressure on Iran without the cooperation of Washington?
1: Israel can still maintain the activities. You know, the RIP they did, the, the eliminations that have taken place, the key scientists were not, you know, because of the American government. Yeah, but true. but you do see a shift in tone in, in some of the people. the you United know, States. certainly you don't see them pushing for the uh, JCPOA right now they get it. There, there is more of an emphasis on human rights and on the, um, the various activities, but they're they're still not the clampdown that we should be doing to cut off all the oxygen, meaning the funding that is going to them. And uh, the, I, I hope that the, these realities, some of which we we just touched on. Uh, uh, all of the things that are taking place, both internally and externally, they just announced a new nuclear plant that they're building. They're enriching and admitting to sixty percent uh, enrichment and which, which means that they're in striking distance of the ninety percent and keep cutting down the time uh, the uh, breakout time. Uh, you know, there was a report by Gantz that, that they documented sixteen separate attacks on international vessels in the Gulf and the Red Sea over the last five years by Iran. Uh, including the latest attack against an Israeli-owned ship. So, you know, I'm not, I, we should be engaged in an all-out effort to, and, and not a war. We don't need a war. We need to be supporting the demonstrators. We should be helping them. We should be giving them moral support and financial support. They're not looking for weapons. And it, at the same time, be, be cutting off their funding, uh, isolating, because their activities still go on in the region and beyond.
0: Last week we spoke about the UN with the Nakba Day vote. Now there's a UN vote regarding uh, Israeli nuclear capability. What's your reaction to that? That's an annual ritual. I was wondering if <laughs> that was being done by <laughs> rote. Because Nakba Day but, is
1: not, right? Nakba Day is not something that's up. Every year. It, it, it got worse. We had a meeting with the Secretary General of the UN this week and made it clear that even his participation was inappropriate in a, in a gathering that wants to deny member, and member state the right to exist. And uh, the fact that you had an overwhelming vote, which really is a, an attack on, on Israel's uh, very existence. Uh, so the United Nations has a one-way one railroad when it comes to Israel, the the Overwhelming preponderance, even as the American ambassador pointed out, of the anti-Israel resolutions, it doesn't stop. Was he uncomfortable? And they are pressing now, but now they're pressing about going to the International Criminal Court and the Court of Justice against Israel. Al Jazeera brought a case against them right. for the death of that reporter. But the fact that you you get these votes in the UN and credit to those who voted against it, but it, the vote was still overwhelmingly against Israel.
0: But you got to tell me, was he uncomfortable when you brought it up? I mean, like, you know, how
1: does Secretary... Somewhat defensive. And what does he some... say? What does he say? That it's not up to me? Or it went up to a... Uh, on a lot of things, yes. Like the Commission of inquiry said, you know, the Human Rights Council is independent, and that to a degree that it's true, but he does have a bully pulpit. He has the opportunity, and we cited some of the things in his remarks on uh, November 29th that were objectionable, uh, and uh, but, you know, we, we've seen this process with Secretaries General, who often come in, you know, much more favorable, but get caught in the web of, of right. the UN, uh, this is some you know, his wife was the, uh, running the museum about Jewish history in, in Portugal, and uh, he himself demonstrated great sympathy when we met with him for years. But, you know, I always feel like it's the tentacles of the United Nations that gets hold of them and drags them down. Uh, In his case, some of the things that he took note of and uh, said he had to look into, some of the stuff he said beyond his control. But there are things that are within his control, and I hope that each time at least we, we remind him and we're a counter voice, to the preponderance of voices who are in the U.N. and pressing for an Israeli to be a deputy secretary or assistant secretary general, having that a voice there, at least, that would you know be able to be a counter to the others.
0: The good news is you get to be the leader of international politics, and the bad news is you get to be the leader of international politics. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. Uh, finally, what do you think? I mean, 51, 49, now can we say 50-50? What do you think of the Senator Cinema move uh, uh, to become an independent? The, the move by what to become a, the senator to become an independent as opposed to a, a Democrat.
1: Ah, uh, oh. no, yeah. Well, it's um, it's helpful. I, you know, people don't understand why the victory in Georgia by Warnock is so significant. That the you know when you when you have fifty fifty, you divide the committees. When you have fifty one fifty, once you have a majority, you get a majority of the committees. The appointments to committees. So it's very significant that one vote shift, and know, has voted against the party uh, line, uh, um, as did Manchin more in the past, it seems he's he's moderated that, right. um, so it's very significant when you bring it down back to the 50-50 um, margin, uh, it still gives the Democrats the majority, and Schumer obviously elected as uh, the speaker, a uh, uh, majority leader. Right. So it is. Uh, it is. It has political consequences, which can be an earthquake. But it's um, in, in terms of the, the day-to-day functioning of the of the Senate, and that's why the House majority also, when it's so narrow, is is very hard because if you have a shift of a couple people. You get things through. So I hope that the Republicans will at least be united behind McCarthy, and will will function together. The Democrats seem to be more disciplined and more organized although you have these uh, dissensions and when they go more radical then they lose others
0: and with the atmosphere in this country let's hope that at least the united states congress stays as loyal to israel as it's been
1: Absolutely. Uh, but the support for Israel, I think, is strongly. We, we had a call with Hakim Jeffries, who made a really impassioned plea on Israel, was was really quite remarkable on his level of knowledge, speaking without notes for a long time and talking about from Israel's founding and how the miracle of 75 years. Um, and, uh, you know, so there is still the support. And when you see the votes, basically, when Israel, when Ilan Omar comes out and, and attacks anti-Semitism, you know that something's uh, something gone awry. Something, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> <laughs> although she just came back from Qatar, maybe something happened there. She went with the Secretary of State to the took he took her to the to the games, which a lot of people didn't understand. Um, but the, what we saw, by the way, in Qatar, and I've spoken to people who were there, and I was invited, but opted not to go. Um, was disturbing about the people and the, you know, the government distributed Palestinian flags in you know, hotels they were given away for free. In the marketplaces, they were selling the flags of every country for several dollars. The Palestinian flag was 10 cents, and, and they were encouraging people. Some even gave them out in the stadium um, so that if you saw when the Moroccans won this remarkable victory, unexpected, they unfurled a the Palestinian flag while they were on the field, and that, that was their victory pose. Uh, so the government of Qatar was certainly behind a lot of it. There were there were there are tens of thousands. I'm told Palestinian workers in Qatar, amongst the majority of the people there who are are farm workers, uh, and uh, they obviously became an audience for this. But it was much more widespread. And reporters told us that nobody was assaulted, but there were people who who harassed them and who made nasty comments, and some who made very positive comments. Nice. And now
0: my kids will make fun of me because you know more about the World Cup than I do.
1: I, I know very little. I watched I, I don't nothing. Even know, I don't even know. I don't even
0: know who's still in it. I mean, I know the U.S. is <laughs> it, but that's about all I know.
1: Well, it's important is U.S. beat Iran in the game. Right, that's important. I remember, yeah. But I, I feel very bad about the players because I think we should have offered them asylum right. because I'm afraid that they, you know, they, the one who came back and was wounded, I'm told, was arrested, and you know, because they didn't sing the first time the national anthem and they got knocked out. I'm sure that uh, they're they're very concerned about going
0: back. Maybe it'll make the American players think about how lucky they are to live where they live. That's probably true. Because sometimes U.S. soccer players uh, have a different attitude when it comes to uh, the leadership in this country and the atmosphere here. But that's a whole other topic. Uh, Malcolm, I thank sure. you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again yeah,
1: next week. Have a good week. Shabbos.
0: Be well. Be- Mazel Tub again. Thank you so much. Malcolm Honeline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. A big thank you to him and everybody for wishing us a Mazel Tov.